You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 686. False. When things change, I'll be happy. True. When I am happy, things will change. Kyle Cease. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films. From predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them, the odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Enjoy today's episode with guest host, Jason Buff. Without any further ado, let me get to David Allen. A quick introduction. He is the author of the amazing book, Getting Things Done. It's a book that's influenced Tons and tons of filmmakers out there. In, in addition to people, you know, he's spoken at Google. He's done, done TED Talks. I'm really lucky to, that he's come on the show because he he influenced me a lot too. You know, as a creative person, I'm kind of all over the map and fairly disorganized. And his book really kind of lays out a plan so that you can, you know, basically get things done. How that you can, you know, start working on things, not having a million things in your head, um, you know, especially for screenwriters or people who are trying to produce a movie, it's hard to know sometimes, you know, what to do next. You wake up and it's like, it's such a large enterprise, writing a screenplay or producing a movie or whatever you want to do. It's so huge. It's like, what am I going to do today? What am I, what's the one thing that I'm going to do today to, to start moving forward? And, you know, his book lays that out and talks about a lot of different things and, and we'll get into that. So anyway, here's my interview with David Allen. For the people who, you know, are listening to this are, are mostly writers, producers, people that want to make independent films. Um, and I was hoping that you could take a moment just to talk about the GTD system, the getting things done system and what the, the idea is behind it, the concepts behind it. Sure. One of the basic concepts is that your head's for having ideas, but not for holding them. Uh, people actually don't need time. They need space. I mean, it, how much time does it take to have a creative idea? You know, zero. But you need room. So what the GTD system is, is really was over the years, this, it sort of unfolded as to what are the techniques that actually you're, that allow you to actually clear your head, get stuff off your mind without necessarily having to finish them and still, you know, be committed to them. So how do you manage all those agreements with yourself 
uh, in some external way as opposed to having your head as an office. Your head's a crappy office, by the way. It's a crappy studio. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it'll, if you have stuff in your head, there's a part of you that thinks you should be doing all of it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so your head is, uh, is consistently trying to multitask, which you can't do. That is, you can't focus, you know, with focused attention on more than one thing at a time. But there's a part of your head that's trying to do that if your head's the only place that's holding stuff. So <clears throat> just like people keep calendars called, you know, I say, well, why do you keep a calendar? Well, because my head can't do that. Well, why do you think your head can do everything else and not that? <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> doesn't make much sense. You know, if you don't want to track stuff out of your head, throw away your calendar. Don't be intellectually dishonest. So it's really about how do I externalize and, and objectify all of my work and work in the broadest sense called anything you want to get done that ain't done yet. That's get cat food as well as, you know, submit a new business plan as well as, you know, produce the next movie. So all of those things just need to be externalized. That, that allows you to see the difference and actually, you know, um, cognitively catch the difference between, and, and of weight between dog food or cat food and produce movie in your head. Believe it or not, they take up about the same amount of space <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and either one will wake you up at three o'clock in the morning when you actually can't do anything about it. Your head is actually kind of a dumb terminal. Yeah. And it, it really, it, 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 you'll be driven by latest and loudest by things in there. Right. So, so that's, what are, that's really about all that's behind it. So, but there are uh, specific techniques. You can't just you can't just clear your head by meditating or drinking. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, right. I, I do both. I, I know, so I know. <laughs> you know, you can leave your head or numb it out, but it won't clear it. Right. So, can you talk about some of the the techniques that you recommend? Sure, well, I'll give you the twenty second version. Okay. So whoever's listening to this, hang on. Ready? <laughs> Capture any potentially meaningful thing on your mind in some trusted place that you then clarify exactly what that thing means sooner than later in terms of whether it's actionable and if so, what you're going to do about it and the next action and, and the outcome you're committed to. Then step back and, and review those things in appropriate categories so that some part of you is constantly maintaining an inventory of your gestalt of all of your different commitments and all the different horizons and trust your heart or your gut or see your pants or your spirit or whatever you trust to make a good intuitive judgment call moment to moment about what you do. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Um, but, no, but that'll take, sorry. That'll take, <laughs> that'll take you two years to build that as a habit. <laughs> yeah, that was a very quick <laughs> explanation. Even if you understand it. It's easy to understand. It takes two minutes to understand the model to about two days. If you actually were going to implement it, like literally it literally empty everything out of your head and go through and make next action decisions about them and create an organizational structure, you know, that holds all that. And then about mm-hmm. two years to make that habitual so that you'd feel uncomfortable if you weren't doing it. Right. So uh, you talk a lot about taking notes. I mean, what, uh, in a typical day, do you just like, uh, how do you organize all those things that are, are going on in your life? Or how should people try to, to well, do that to get it, it out of their head? Yeah, it's they're, they're, capturing stuff is very different than organizing. So okay. I've got you know I've got Notepad right on my desk right now. You know, it has a phone number on it. I tried to call and nobody answered, or it was busy, but I got to call them again because I can make an appointment about my eyes. So it's just on that Notepad. If I if I don't finish that call, that Notepad by the way will go will get torn off that page and thrown into my in basket. 
Mm. In which case, then later on, you know, sooner than later, I will drive all that to empty by deciding, okay, where does that go? Where do I park a reminder about that that I that I need to do? So capturing happens all day long, you know, just at any time point in time. You know, I carry a little notepad around in my pocket, right? And you know, it's a great little app called uh, Brain Toss that I can just pop up my iPhone and talk into it, and it'll show up right into my email as a as a as a sound file. As well as you know, text about it, right? You know, any of that, any of those things work. But and, you know, I want to have the freedom to have a thought, but not have to decide exactly what to do about it yet. That actually allows and, and frees up my creative thinking process. I throw away probably half or three quarters of my notes, you know. But when I have them, I'm not sure what they mean yet, but they might mean something significant, and so I don't want to lose any of those. But then I need to loop back around from another part of my brain and then assess that stuff and, and get executive about it. Call, okay, David, what are you going to do about that, if anything? What does that mean? Is that a restaurant you really want to track? Or is that a phone number that you need to put in your telephone and address? Is it something you still need to do about that? And those are the, the clarifying questions you need to ask yourself to decide what this stuff really means. So step one is to capture. Step two is to clarify. Step three is then to organize the results of that thinking and that decision making. Okay. That's how, now, you, that's how you get your kitchen under control, by the way. <laughs> oh, it is. You, you walk in, it, it looks like you know, a tornado hit it. You go, oh my God, I got guests coming over. First thing you do is you recognize what's not on cruise control. You capture, you identify stuff that's, that, that you probably need to decide and do something about. Number two is you need to clarify, is that still good food goes in the fridge? Is that trash that goes away? Is that, is that a dirty dish or is that a clean one? And then you organize those. You put spices where spices go. You put dirty dishes where dirty dishes go. You put trash where trash goes. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Mm-hmm. Big duh. But that's what you need to do with every email, with every thought, with every creative thing that, that pops into your head. If you want to get it under control and not have it run you. Right. Yeah, that's a huge thing, especially when it comes to, you know, screenwriting. And most of the writers I know, they're, they, um, and I'm also a writer, but you, you know, we're constantly with notebooks because you never, you, you have these ideas. And if they're gone, yeah. they, they, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know, what, what was I? I had this amazing idea, and now it's gone. You know, and, right. and so we we've gotten in the habit of taking notes. And what you know, I get a lot out of the um, uh, GTD system is that you you should be constantly taking notes, but about every aspect of your life, so that you're not constantly in the the state of being overwhelmed by thinking I've got a million things to do. I don't know what to. I don't know what the next step is going to be. Right. And you, you obviously don't need to write down the fifty thousand thoughts you have a day. <laughs> you just need to write down the ones that aren't complete when you have them. <laughs> In other right. words, oh, there's still something I might need to do about that, as opposed to just grazing in your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what what is your feeling towards things like multitasking, or um, you know, people who can kind of sit there and do like five things at the same time? They can't. They can rapidly switch. But whether they're actually increasing their performance by doing that is is in question. There's a couple of new books out that have come out in the last year of a lot of cognitive science research that has basically proven that's you know that's BS. If you think you're that's going to actually increase your capability to be able to do that. Now that said, um, if you can rapidly switch your focus with a placeholder, 
In other words, if you sort of, sort of interrupted me, Jason, you came in, you suddenly walked in and said, hey, David, by the way, could you do X, Y, and Z? Let's talk for three minutes or whatever. And I was in the middle of doing something. As long as I have a placeholder for that thing I was doing, so I don't have to keep re-remembering that I need to do that. In other words, I'll throw the notes or, or my work literally right into my own physical in-basket. And I'll turn around mm -hmm. and then engage with you. Why? Because i got a placeholder that as soon as I stop engaging with you, I can pick that right up. But that leaves my brain clear to now focus on you and whatever's going on there as opposed to trying to keep hanging on to it. So that's why external, having an external brain and having the capability to be able to capture and placehold stuff that's not finished in some trusted place will allow you to switch rapidly. If you don't do that, then you truly, and they've proven this, that, that you, you, your cognitive function is suboptimal. You're trying mm -hmm. to, your switching costs are huge. In other right. words, you try to focus over there, but there's a part of you that's still hanging your focus back to where it was that doesn't want to forget it. But then you're, so you're not fully present really with any of that. And people can get pretty good at what it looks like, but, uh, this is a, you know, there's new, there's a lot of data out there now that, that proves that's not true. Mm -hmm. They've even, they've even found that, that even using hands-free phones in your car is as dangerous statistically as texting. Simply because of the switching costs in your mind, uh -huh. so you'll think you'll you're, you'll think you're driving in the you know in in the right lane, and the brain kind of will kid you to think that's true, and actually that's visually what you see, but your mind went off somewhere else on that phone call that you were talking about, and it's actually it's actually not true. Surprise me to read that data, but that's you know, yeah, the, the, that's all that's. You know, what happens? Your brain is really wasn't designed to hold on to more than about four meaningful things at once. It does that very well, by the way. That's how you survived on the savannah. That's how you could eat and not be eaten. <laughs> you know, but that right. your brain took, you know, however many millions of years it developed to be able to do that very well. So you, your brain can recognize brilliantly, even better, way better than any computer yet. You walk into a room, you recognize patterns. You see that's a light, that's a chair, that's a person, that's a thing, that's a printer. And the computer still can't even do that yet. You're doing that all the time, by the way. Your brain is brilliant at that, using long-term memory, pattern recognition, making sense out of your world. But it's totally present when it does that. What your brain can't do is remember where you left your keys. <laughs> but, you know, that was one of the really things. I, I loved your TED Talk when you were talking about how the brain has almost a, you know, and, and correct me if this wasn't what you were saying, um, but the, the brain's tendency to be a natural planner to the point of or that we've kind of gotten away from the the way that the mind works and we've started um kind of changing the way that we accomplish goals in a somewhat unnatural way yeah like, yeah yeah it's fascinating it was fascinating to realize that 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 you know what we automatically do and how we naturally plan is not how most people actually plan the more complex things. It's how you get out of bed, it's how you get dressed, it's how you you know cook dinner. Uh, but when people then say, okay, now I need to I need to you know be the production manager for a movie. How do I plan? You know how do I plan the budget and all this other stuff? And you know anything any more or even just your wedding or how about just a big party you want to give or your next vacation? And most people. You know, either don't then plan them at all or they're sort of driven by whatever the latest and loudest thing is, as mm -hmm. opposed to learning from ourselves in terms of how the brain really naturally does it. It was fascinating to me just to, <laughs> just to uncover that. Yeah. Right. So if somebody's, you know, sitting there today, you know, 
working towards a project, let's say, for example, their, their idea is they, they want to produce a film. Um, but you know, when it comes to screenwriting and when it comes to producing, um, you know, something artistic or, you know, films are basically like a little business anyway, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't think of it like that, but so a person, we kind of get into this abyss where you don't know what to do next and you're starting out and you're kind of like, okay, I know this is the end goal and I know kind of where I'm at right now. How do I get, you know, from point A to point B to point Z, you know, and not just like be completely overwhelmed all the time with, I have 10 million things I have to do. Yeah. Well, with all of it, externalizing it, getting out of your head, you know, get yourself a pen and paper, just pull, you know, pull up some computer file, just pull up a Word doc and just dump it out. All the ideas, every single thing you might need to think about or whatever about the film or about what your project. I mean, that's, that is part of the natural planning model is, is once you have a vision and it's not met, met by current reality, it creates this dissonance. It says, well, God, I got to try to get, I try to got to close the gap between the vision I have in my head and where I am right now. So the, there's, you know, so you do a part A of that, which is, okay, any potentially relevant idea I need to capture, get out of my head. And that's what most people refer to as brainstorming. But that's, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you know, that's the first thing is don't, you know, don't let your brain get constipated by, you know, oh, I got a 10 million things to do. I don't know where to start. Well, write down where you might start, <laughs> all the places you might start. You know, as Linus Pauling mm-hmm. said, the best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. So get them all out. Now, you don't leave them all out just in terms of them willy-nilly. You get them all out, and then there's a part of you that will then naturally start to recognize patterns and start to recognize components and sequences and priorities. Oh, that's more important than that. Oh, yeah, I need to handle that. You know, first thing I really need to do is. yeah, mm-hmm. And that's just good sort of natural thinking, but you have to you know, sort of go with the flow in terms of how your mind really thinks. And, and capture that as opposed to it's got to be right before I write it down. That's death. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were taught. That's what planning was all about. If you, if, you know, if you're old as I am, you, we were taught outlining in school, you know, to write reports. And that's, you know, the, you, you, you sit down and start by trying to create an outline. Well, good luck. You know, that forces, <laughs> that forces your mind to try to figure out what's Roman number one. And, you know, there's quite a bit of thinking you have to do before you even can trust what you think Roman number one is going to be. And so giving yourself permission to have the freedom to be to use the creative aspect of who you are and and how your brain works. I think that's, you know, it's our educational system that that sort of constipated all that. Uh, But there there is a way you can really make all that work. You know, I mean, you know, come on, you know, some of my biggest champions were the Simpson writers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and uh, really and joss whedon and i can talk about him because they they mentioned it publicly i mean joss uh-huh. in the fast company article said look you know when he when he did the last you know when he shot the much ado about nothing in his backyard he said wow you know if it wasn't for david allen's next action concept i never could have done that in the three days we did it you know so you know it, it, and you know howard stern's a huge fan of mine really changed, oh, yeah? changed his life. He would tell you that he's, he's spoken about it on, you know, <laughs> on the air for months. Right. Once he, once, you know, he sort of got coached with our, with our model just really freed up because what it does is it frees up space for these guys. Uh-huh. And that's, that's what the creative people want. It, it actually frees up space for anybody, but you know, and what you do with that space is up to you. If you're a rock musician, you'll use space to get more music ideas and to make sure you finish the songs instead of just start them. 
you know, if you if you're a, a 55 year old executive that's about to merge with another company, you'll use space to be more strategic and in, in your negotiations and your thinking about you know priorities. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And if you're a writer or a screenwriter or, or you know, if you're an indie producer, you, what would you do with more space? <laughs> you know, like, well, right. there's a whole lot of things you could do with more space, I would imagine. But the space is what you need. And, and you know, all GTD, the getting things done model did was say, OK, here's how you get space. And you don't have to go very far to know where to start. Just just ask yourself what's on your mind. You know, Jason, if I ask you, hey, if you if you weren't talking to me right now, what where would your mind go? What's the most on your mind? Right. Yeah. And <laughs> whatever you answer is very probably going to be something that's hung up and you're the bottleneck. The reason it's on your mind is because there's some decision about it you haven't made or you haven't parked the results of that thinking in some in some place you trust. Right. Yeah, I mean I'm your your the the, the book is pretty much for people like me, I think that, you know, I have too many things going on in my head and, and, you know, it's, it's really helpful just to say, okay, you know, I, I went through when you're doing the Ted talk, you had the thing where you take notes and you, you get all the things out of your head that you're, that are kind of occupying your time and then taking that and figuring out, you know, what exactly are you going to, you know, what, are, what are the next actions you're going to take? And the, the really important thing for me was the concept of what can you actually do right now? And what you're just sitting there worrying about, unless you can actually take action on it right now, there's no point in worrying about it. You know, put it in, put it there and know that you have to do it, but don't sit there and like kind of go, you know, churn the wheels over and over thinking about that and focus on things you can do. Sure. There are no problems. There are only projects. Mm-hmm. So you only call something a problem if you think something ought to be fixed about it. You're just not willing to figure out or, or take a risk to, to try to do that. Right. Right. I mean, it, so taking anything that's an issue or problem, you need to decide, look, to your point, can you do something about this or not? Ninety percent of the time you probably can and just haven't figured that out or you haven't sat down and forced yourself to make that decision. Wait a minute. What more information do I need? Wait a minute. Who do I need to talk to about this? What do I need to do to move the needle? If I if I was going to pay you a million bucks just to start move, making progress on that problem, that issue, that opportunity. Where would you go right now physically and what would you do? And that kind of rigor, you know, to your point of that, the next action thinking is so powerful. It's so mundane and yet so, you know, it's, it's the silver bullet. Now, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about the, the book is also the uh, concept of tricks. And, you know, some people now would just would refer to that as hacks for, uh, you know, organizing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about a few of your favorite hacks or tricks for, um, you know, for implementing the um, GTD system in your life? One of the best is the two-minute rule. Anything you can finish, once you decide a next action, if you can actually take that action within two minutes, if you're ever going to do that action at all, do it right then. It'll take you longer to actually stack it, track it, and look at it again than it would be to finish it when it's in your face. If you just did that around your house or your apartment or your flat or wherever you live, if you just started to implement the two-minute rule, flashlight that needs a battery, it would only take you two minutes to go get that battery and stick it in there. You'd be amazed how much cleaner your house is going to be. Just and that <laughs> it would be, if that's all you got out of what I did is the two minute rule, you know, 
that that's you know, one of the most popular hacks, you know, of that that emerged out of all of this. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, what? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, you know, there's. It's not really a hack. It's just a, It's an absolutely necessary principle, which is just write stuff down, have an in basket, have a physical in tray, throw stuff in there, and then get it empty every you know twenty four to forty eight hours. I mean that there's there's no bigger better habit. People say, "Gee, David, what rituals and habits have I installed?" That's the main one. You know, there's all kinds of stuff I hate to have to think about and have to decide about. But because I'm so now addicted to getting my in basket empty, it forces me to make those decisions so I can empty it. <laughs> that's one of the best. That's one of the best tricks in the world in terms of being productive. Because people just avoid next action decisions about all kinds of things, and so they just spread stuff around in their life, and then and then it it starts to create this ambient stress because it's yelling at them all the time, and they just numb out to it. Now, can you just go a little bit more in depth with the next action concept, just for just a second? Yeah, well, you know, write everything down that's on your mind, right? Then take each one of those things one at a time and go, okay, if this is something to move on at all. It may have been just a harebrained idea or, or something else, but is there something to do about this? What specifically physically visible action would, would I need to take uh, to start moving toward closure on whatever this thing is? If it's, if you wrote down cat food, what's your next action? Oh, I need to buy cat food. Well, great. Uh, do you know where to buy it? Yeah, I do. Uh, where do you, do you keep a list of stuff to buy when you go there? Uh, yeah, right up on the fridge. Great. Go stick it there. <laughs> cat food on the post-it on the refrigerator now you're in then it's off your mind some party says okay i did that but you have to decide what's the next step on that okay okay new indie movie idea fabulous what's the next action oh god yeah <laughs> well I, i'm even not sure how to start how would you figure it out you know, I want to talk to somebody who actually produced an indie film. I've never done one before, and I should talk to them. Great. How would you, how, how would you, you know, plumb their brain? Uh, maybe I should have lunch for them. Great. What's your next action? Uh, set up a lunch. How would you do that? Is that an email to send or a phone call to make? Uh, let me let me shoot them an email. Great. How long would that take? 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> suddenly, yeah. you know, suddenly you're off and running. But you still yeah. haven't the foggiest idea how to do an indie. You just made a decision that got you in the driver's seat of this situation, as opposed to feeling the victim of now overcommitting and having it beat you up. Yeah, and it's so simple, but it actually, I mean, it, it does completely change everything, you know, if I, you start thinking like that. I call it the magic of the mundane. <laughs> Uh, do you do you actually have a do you have to have a physical in I mean you talk about your in basket and you know everything that I do if I have papers it just becomes out of control here you know I, I do everything virtual but do you think it's it's better to have no, something don't. physical there no, you don't you still have a physical driver's license you still you still get some bills in the mail you certainly get certain some physical mail you get FedExes don't you no well I'm an expat like you <laughs> I live in uh, I live in Mexico. Ah, so, okay. you know, we don't get mail where I live, but I, I get your point. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of stuff that I need to print out from my computer and throw it into my in basket because there's stuff that I need to do or think about that. And I want to I want to have a written you know thing to that helps me think about it, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or I'm halfway through something and I need to remind myself that that's not finished yet. 
and I need to come back to it, I'll print it out and throw it in my in-basket, which then is a trigger to then, oh, yeah, now let me pick that up and, and, do, and, and, and keep going with that. Uh, it, it's certainly a lot less paper now than there was you know, 20, 30 years ago for sure. Right. But, but even, even so, uh, you know, where do you throw batteries? You get flashlights that get dead batteries. You know, I throw those in my in-basket if I don't have the batteries. You know, you know, in, in anything. And, and if you take any kind of notes when you're on the run, what do you do with if you're doing any kind of creative writing by hand? You know, what do you do with those notes? You know, and, and if you're taking notes on a phone call, right, you ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with those notes? Uh, well, I just uh, usually I just use Evernote, so I'm just I type faster than I write. But I've also got a you know a notebook. Whenever I, I go to yeah. uh, a store, I just buy like five or six notebooks and just have just have it there, you know, because you'll you'll yeah. be able to jot stuff down. Well, you know, if I were to sit down next to you, desk side, you know, uh, Jason, and we, I'd say I'd say, do you still have any of those notebooks? Mm, probably not. <laughs> well, that's fine. It means you processed them. That that'd be my point. If you still right. had them lying around because there was still stuff in there that you hadn't decided what it meant and it was still potentially pulling on you to make a decision about it, you know, that's, that's uh, unhealthy. You know, spiral okay. notebooks are dangerous, you know, because <laughs> of that. I use a spiral notebook, but I use one that's perfed so you can, I, so I tear it off so it stays empty. Yeah. You know, uh, but, but the stuff I tear off goes into my end basket if it's, if it's, if I can't finish it at that moment. So I still need a physical in basket. If you can get by without one, hey, buy. there's no there's no right or wrong about any of this. This says, okay, got anything in your head? You know, and it, and if you do, there's some because of some something you have not captured somewhere. Now, when you say you've got it in your head, I mean, like subconscious thought. I was wondering how you feel about like a subconscious thought. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. How is that affecting you? I mean, are you, are the things that are in your head, like, you know, if you've got like 20 things that you're kind of like organizing, trying to keep track of, are you conscious that you're doing that? Or is that something that you're just kind of doing and it's affecting, you know, just your mental, you know, alertness or, or being able to, to be present? I'm not sure exactly. I mean, if, obviously, if it's unconscious, you're not conscious of it. I'm not aware of it. <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I, essentially what I do, because I've externalized all of these commitments, then it frees me up to just trust my intuitive judgments. And that intuitive judgment is being matured and constantly. I'm thinking all the time. I'm constantly reassessing what should I do? Where's the thing? Where do, what do I feel you know, like I need to put my energy and focus right now? You know, that my system doesn't get rid of that. It frees you up to do that. It frees mm-hmm. you up to be making good intuitive choices instead of just being driven by the latest and loudest and then whoops and, and hoping, you know. So you want to move from hope to trust, basically, in terms of just your judgment about what you're doing. But I'm, you know, I'm constantly thinking, what should I do now? What, where's, where's the, you know, where's the optimal place for me? Should I take a nap? Should I have a beer? Should I, should I go hang out with my dog? Do I need to take a walk? You know, should I be, you know, cranking on this? you know, uh, slide deck that I need to upgrade right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, uh, uh, I don't know if it's your unconscious. I think that, I think you don't have to go very far just to start to pay attention to what has your attention. Mm-hmm. You know, and what do you then need to do to take that pressure off your head? 
you know, what's the next thing that should be telling you what to do, whether that's coming where that comes from, you know, the Oracle or God or, or your, your liver, or I don't know, whatever the source of (laughs) intuitive knowing is, right? you know, uh, who knows? So this is not about, you know, sort of structuring your life in some way. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are uncomfortable with how unstructured getting things done is. Uh, because they want to feel more confidence that they that they really nailed it all down and 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 can and and, and can tack it all down and nothing's going to move you know and come out from under them. Good luck. Well, that that was what I was going to ask you about. You know that that you talk about the false sense of control that you get from you know having everything in your head, and there is that aspect of control that I mean I. Oh yeah, that's, that's encounter that resistance that people are just like, oh, I don't want to you know I don't want to stop having all this, I don't want to put it on a piece of paper because that might mean that something might happen to it or it might, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll might feel happen. More, yeah, you'll make you feel more out of control about how out of control you really are. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. you know, people get mad at me for their list. I go, excuse me, it ain't my list, dude. It's yours. You know, your choice is where do you want to track that stuff? And I just, mm-hmm. and I'm not into convincing anybody. I'm just, look, I'm just, sharing information with you right. and prove me wrong. Implement these processes and I absolutely guarantee you without fail, you'll feel more in control and more focused so that you can deal with the, the and, and have more mental and cognitive space to do the more meaningful things. Never now, how did, how did you come upon, how did you come upon this? I mean, when you were in your life, were you also kind of just like one of the people that was overwhelmed with stuff and had to, I mean, how did you discover this system? Uh, I've just been a, you know, I'm, I'm a freedom guy and I love, <laughs> and I love clear space. Right. You know, I, 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 I've always been attracted to the Zen aesthetic, you know, sort of the negative space. I, you know, I was, I read all of Suzuki and Watts by the time I finished high school. So I've, I've always loved the, that, that kind of minimalist aesthetic. Uh, but then, you know, when I got into sort of the personal growth game and, you know, how do you grow yourselves and how do you find enlightenment and all that good stuff, you know, this is California in the sixties and seventies and discovered that actually there, there are things you can actually learn to do that actually give you more of a sense of personal freedom and more of a sense of space. And a whole lot of that had to do with your agreements. You know, that was a big aha in the personal growth movement, which was, you know, how do you manage your agreements and the, what's the price you pay if you break an agreement? You know, there's now, what a, do you mean by agreements? Well, if you Just said, the, yeah, the said compromises you make, yeah, no, the agreements you make. Call, hey, David, let's meet at, you know, let's do this podcast uh, on, you know, this date at this time. Mm-hmm. That's an agreement. And I say, yeah, I just made an okay. agreement. Okay. So an agreement just says any commitment you've got to do something, whether, and all agreements are with yourself. Many of them involve other people, but they're all with yourself. You've agreed with yourself, you're going to do that. You tell yourself, I need cat food. You just made an agreement. You know, oh, yeah, I just agreed with myself that, yes, I'm going to get cat food somehow in some way. So understanding that when you keep an agreement, it feels fabulous, improves your self-confidence. If you break an agreement, it will undermine your self-confidence automatically. It's an automatic price you pay. You, you disintegrate trust. If you didn't show up, you know, if you, you know, there are people I love dearly, but I don't trust further than I can throw them to, tell, <laughs> to, to show up when they're going to tell me they're going to show up. Just right. based upon that. There's nothing wrong. I don't judge that. I just, that's just data. But I don't trust them. I don't trust them to keep to you know. They tell me something. I I doubt that they're going to do it and shouldn't and organize my life accordingly. But but there, all of these agreements with yourself. What happens then if 
a broken agreement automatically creates stress. So all those things you've told yourself to do, and most people have between 30 and 100 projects and between 150 and 200 next actions if they actually sat down and truly inventoried their commitments personally and professionally of all the things they think they should do and told themselves they, they, they need to do. So if you want to get rid of the stress of broken agreements, either don't make the agreement, you know, throw the list away, say, oh, you know, I'll live spontaneously, you know, good luck. Uh, or complete the agreement, go finish it all. Of course, if you went and finished everything on your list in a, two, three days, you'd have a bigger list because you get so excited having done all that, you'll take on bigger, more incomplete stuff. But the real key is how do I, how do I, can I renegotiate those agreements? See, if you said, hey, David, let's do this podcast here, and then I came back and said, you know, I, I agreed to that before, but something came up really, really critical that I have to handle. Can we do it another time? And you go, yeah. Then I renegotiated the agreement. I don't have a broken agreement. Mm-hmm. But you can't renegotiate agreements with yourself. You can't remember you made. That's, again, why keeping track of all of this stuff so that you can look at it and go, no, I'm just going to do this podcast with Jason right now. That's the best thing to be doing. But the only reason I can be present talking to you right now is because not long ago I looked at everything else that I might, would, could, should, ought to do and said, you're it. But I, couldn't, I can't do that in my head. <laughs> you know, I could remember about four things, and that's about it. Everything else just becomes this huge jumble and jungle. Uh, but once I've got them out and have all these decisions made about the actions, and just all I have to do is glance at those action lists, look at my calendar. It doesn't take me very long, and just feel comfortable that this is it. Nothing. I'm not missing anything. Now, may, I may have made a mistake. You know, maybe talking to you is the wrong thing to do. I'll find out. Live and learn. But, <laughs> but at least I'm confident that this is the next mistake I want to make. That makes sense. Now it, yeah, definitely. Um, now you, you mentioned Howard Stern, and I know Howard Stern's a, a really big into transcendental meditation, and a lot of this seems to be influenced by Eastern thought. Well, is that well, something? Eastern thought just came up with the same thoughts I did. <laughs> <laughs> They all read your book. You know, I have. <laughs> but I mean, just the concept of, you know, meditating and emptying your mind in that way and, and being present. And you even mentioned in your book, the mind like water um, concept. Yeah. Well, you know, that you know? was, I had, uh, you know, several years in the martial arts, you know, I got a black belt many years ago in, in, in karate. And there's, there's quite a bit of training about how do you clear your head in the martial arts. You know, there was, Bruce Lee was a guy who sort of made famous this, the, the, the whole idea of, of be like water, grasshopper, you know, from his guru. Because, right. you know, the idea is don't over or underreact, be totally open to the, to, the, to the present moment. You know, be soft and hard as needed be. Don't over or underreact. And that's, that's the idea, is that you don't want to take one meeting into the next. You don't want to take home to work. You want to be able to be present. Really, the whole idea of GTD is about being present. That's your optimal productive state, whether that's the best way to hit a golf ball or tuck your kids into bed at night or make spaghetti. You know, you just want to be there when you're doing it as mm-hmm. opposed to having your, your cognitive function split. So that's, in a way, this is just a mechanical process. It's not something to believe. It's not something, to, it's not some cult. It's a, go, you know, go, <laughs> there, look, the brain sciences have now validated all of this. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, it, I took me 35 years of learning it on the street and, and watching, spending thousands of hours with some of the best and brightest and sharpest people on the planet and busiest and watching what happened when they started to implement this and how much it changed their life and their work. 
without exception. So that's why I wrote the book. I said, well, I guess I better write the manual now. <laughs> now, what uh, what were the – are there any books you can – aside from your own book, are there any the books that, that were out there that influenced you and, and you could recommend as well or any resources out there that people could look look there were There were a lot of them over the years. I, you know. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. One great book, by the way, for especially for creative types, would be uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, uh, the The War of Art. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Fabulous book, um, and that's one. And the the two I mentioned, by the way, if anybody's interested in the cognitive science stuff, I mean, it really is quite fascinating. And two have shown up in the last few months. One's called the The Organized Mind by Dan Levitin, L-E-V-I-T-I-N. He's head of cognitive science uh, research at McGill University in, in Quebec, or wherever in Canada that is. And um, a Belgian uh, named Theo Compernole, C-O-M-P-E-R-N-O-L-L-E, has just written a book called Brain Chains, two words, like chains around your brain, brain chains. Okay. And, you know, he's, he, he was a child psychiatrist and then an MD and then I got into cognitive science. And now he's doing, he's doing quite a bit of executive coaching in terms of stress management simply because he became fascinated with this whole idea of the brain as a tool. And he's, he's accumulated, aggregated 600 different studies uh, from the cognitive science field and world in the last, you know, decade or so. And, you know, and kind of reads the riot act to everybody about multitasking and, and what the digital world and social media and so forth are, are the addiction that that's making so easy for people to get invested in and engaged in. That's then stopping a lot of other, you know, real cool stuff like real conversations and real relationships. Mm-hmm. And he's got, he's not against technology. He's just saying, be careful because this is highly addictive and they've now proven it truly is an addiction. That if you, yeah. if you're, if you're social media, even just having your, your smartphone in your pocket, wondering who's texting you creates a dopamine rush. So you literally are getting the same kinds of things that you do with an opium or, you know, or heroin smack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it seems like, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that my life is determined by the little things that give me a little dopamine rush, you yeah. know? Like the career that you choose and the people that you are around and all the little things, you know, even the the color of paint that you choose in your house or whatever. It's like everything is determined by the, that little rush you get from it. There's know? nothing wrong with that. I mean, that exercise does that. So you can't fault exercise. To <laughs> right. rush. It's just which, <laughs> which are the, the healthier dopamine rushes? You know, wh- uh-huh. what do you want to get addicted to? You want to get addicted to working out or you want to get addicted to, you know, uh, you know, amphetamines. Right. <laughs> I also like the idea of, you know, you were talking about um, how you, you want to write stuff down because your future self is not going to be in the same state of mind that you're in. And, and always, you know, you always need to be somewhat um, aware of, you know, how your brain changes from maybe one time of day to another time of day or how you're in a certain kind of state of mind where you're being very creative and coming up with ideas and, and appreciate the fact that maybe 
later on in the day or maybe whenever that's going to kind of disappear. Exactly. And you're leaving kind of like future notes. You're like note to future self, you know, because it's funny. I had a friend who would go out and drink a lot and he would always leave himself voice messages. And he would wake up the next day and be like, okay, what, you know, what's going on? And he'd be like, dear future Mike, you know, this is what's <laughs> happening smart. today. That's smart. <laughs> well, come on. You're, you know, the, I think it's the really intelligent people that realize they're only inspired and intelligent and, and, and they're, they're, you're only inspired and, and, and brilliant, you know, at very random moments in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what you want to do is if you're lazy and smart, what you want to do is capture those potentially useful, inspirational, intelligent things so that when you're kind of thick and dumb, you do smart things. Right. So, you know, the, yeah, it's the it's the kind of thick and dumb people that think they're smart all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, the I, I definitely. Thing, the, the strange thing is, is that when you are inspired and have an inspired thought. Uh-huh. That that place that 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 we seem to operate from there has no sense of space and time. You're in your zone, so it doesn't. It, it's not a, it, kind of that consciousness is not so aware of history or future. It thinks it thinks you'll be inspired and, and smart all the time. So mm-hmm. it, it's a it is in, was intelligent of your friend to realize, hey, when I'm inspired, and, uh, that the future me may not be so inspired. So I better grab that and throw it at him. Yeah. I'm always surprised if I go back and look at my notes. Sometimes I, I came up with like, you know, I, I write every day I write in the morning and that's like when I'm focused, coffee's going and everything. And I, I always shock, you know, I go back sometimes and I'm like, yeah, I remember everything that I wrote down and I'll go back and see those notes. And it's like, oh, wow, that was a really great idea. But I just, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't there anymore. You know, the, right. the my ability to recall it just had gone away. Um. So can uh, I, I want to wrap it up because I know you you know have things to do. Um, can you um, just talking to people who are out there um, in our audience? It's filmmakers and screenwriters and people who are working on projects. Can you you know what do you think is a good idea for them to start doing? What can they do today to really start moving forward and and not being frustrated and getting their projects you know on the road to being you know completed. Well, come on. I, I would be remiss in not saying get my new version of Getting Things Done book <laughs> and, and, and read it if you haven't yet. Uh, I mean, it, truly, it is the manual for all of that, and, and we'll, it, it will be pretty evergreen for lots of years to come in terms of uh, you know what we've uncovered and what we've discovered about it. So that's uh, that's essentially a, a you know a, a great resource. That's a, that is a way, that is a way to start. But quite frankly, it's just make sure you've got some, you know, take a, you, you might want to take a few hours uh, at some point if you can carve that out of your life and say, okay, I'm going to do this dumb thing called sit down and write down every single thing that's on my mind. You know, anything about anything, you know, little things, big things, personal things, professional things, creative things, anything, and truly keep going. You know, most people can do that in about an hour or, or two. At least you can get most of it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, go through each one of those and say, okay, what is exactly my next action on this? What's my next action on that? What's my next action on that? So just capturing and then applying the sort of next action cognitive rigor to these things. And then you're going to have to, then you'll have to get creative to decide what do I want to do? If I can't take that action right now, where do I want to park it? How do I create a list? How do I create, you know, some sort of organizational system? If you don't have one already, you'd need to then go through that process. So, Ideally, you you know set up a whole day, get my book, 
because I actually walk people through this exercise, you know, blow by blow, uh, part in, in part two of the book. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wrote it that way so that people didn't have to hire a coach to walk them through this. But you're not born doing this. And it doesn't come, you know, automatically. You actually have to sit down and put cognitive horsepower to this game. And it does take an investment on the front end. It doesn't take a lot of time and energy to maintain it. As a matter of fact, it takes much less than what most people are trying to do once you actually get this set up. But it does take an investment on the front end. Well, David, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's a, a pleasure to have you here with us today. Hey, it was fun, Jason. This was great. I want to thank Jason so much for doing such an amazing job with this episode. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmMuscle.com forward slash 686. And if you haven't already, please head over to FilmmakingPodcast.com, subscribe and leave a good review for the show. It really helps us out a lot, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com.